everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Phoenix and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. As always, here with my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. We're recording this a little bit different, Steve. We're recording this on a Wednesday night in the States. Um, what are we, four days in? Because the tournament starts on a Sunday. So we're four days in. Plenty to talk about. Why don't we start with the exhilarating Gael Monfi and his win yesterday following very disappointing news that just came out about a couple hours ago that unfortunately Gail will not be able to play his match against Holger Runa with a wrist injury. Very disappointing. But before we talk about that, 0-4 in the fifth set, Steve. Did you have any doubt he, w- he was going to come back and win that match? Well, not only love four in the fifth, but 30-40 about to lose his serve again and the match is going to be out of reach. Uh, no, I mean, I'm glad he had that moment, even though it's led to a, a, de- a default, which is sad. Uh, but at least he got he got that. He was able to record that one exhilarating triumph. And hopefully going forward, he's going to get in better and better shape. He's, hopefully the injury doesn't last too long. Hope so. Yeah, that was some moment. And that's, you know, there were so many things on social media. That's why you play. That's why you don't you don't want to retire too early. Even if you go through a lot of injuries, which he has, you still uh, always kind of seeking that moment. And what a moment he did have last night with the home with the home crowd behind him. And you know what, David, I've seen him there so many times over the years and he's had he's always been one of the game's most captivating players wherever he goes, but there's nothing like the atmosphere at Roland Garros when he's on court. Yeah. And I saw him play Roger a few times and it's just, it's just really, uh, he, he, he can do no wrong in their eyes and, and, and they, they love him. And so this, this was unexpected, clearly unexpected, particularly when he got so far down in the fifth. So uh, it, it, it's something he'll take with him despite the disappointment. And frankly, I don't, I didn't never liked his chances against Holger Runa anyway, even if he'd been fresher, but at least he got the one win. And hey, his wife, right? His wife, Lena Svitolina, she's, she's got through two rounds. So she's in the third win. So yeah, it, it's really unfortunate about the default, but the pairing did pretty well. And Svitolina is still, still going. So she's not done yet. So we'll see how it goes. They're both parents of a baby now. So uh, it was good to see them both do well. Yes, and she's a different kind of player altogether. You know, she she's much more low key and low key professional. Someone who who knew her way around the top five, ten in the world, and she's kind of working her way back to that. And she doesn't. You don't have the the wild the wild pendulum swinging results and emotions of her husband. And I don't mean that as a knock on him. I just mean she's has a totally different demeanor, and she's resurgent right now. So I I'd love to see her. I'd love to see her make a show and get, get deep into this draw. Yeah, I would too. Um, two other players um, that we've talked about, uh, you know, in a few episodes together, you know, we, we, we always pair them together, right? As Sloan Stevens and Madison Keys, you know, they're around the same era, both Americans, both when they're playing at the top of their games can beat anybody. But unfortunately in their careers, there's been a little bit too much of up and down. Um, and David, the last David. few years, Sorry to interrupt you. The other reason we always link them together is they met in that U.S. Open final in 2017, yep. winning very easily against a slightly hampered Madison Keys. But that was such a such a wonderful and inimitable moment for both of them because they're good friends. And so they knew 
neither one was going to be devastated by the result. They could accept losing to the other. And they had a nice hug when it was over. And so I, I, that's the reason I always think of them together. And, and that's, it's, uh, I, I, I think on this, on this court, I, I, and they've met here in the French too, when Sloan got to the finals. And so I feel like Sloan on the clay though, by the way, is the better player in my view. I, I like Key's game better for, faster courts and she's got a great serve and Sloan it's it, it, it's close to being her best surface it's a it's almost a draw between hard courts and and clay I think the frustration that any fans may have with them is that they know how good both of them are when they're playing at the top of their games that when they go through these slides in the past couple of years have been have been hard on both of them um you know it's kind of frustrating to watch it's almost like we don't know which player uh we're going to see on the court because again, we know how good they can be. And Sloan, as you kind of, you know, as you stated, um, she likes to clay and she's had good results here. She made the final of French. Just the Well, that was back. on that was a nice follow-up to winning the US Open the year before. And not yeah. only did she made the final, she was very close to beating Simona Hallow. She, you know, she took it into a third and she was very close. At, and and I I she couldn't have given a much better account of herself end of that year, lost to Simone in the WTA championships final as well. So she was so good through that period has never quite reached that level since, but she's always knocking on the door. And when she's playing well, she's one of the more uh, appealing players in women's tennis because she does everything so well. And she sets a smooth ball striker and she's so uh, strategic out there. I, I, I love to watch her when she's in the right frame of mind, which is what you were touching on. Right now, she's in the right frame of mind. Correct. So Sloan is in the third round as we record this on Wednesday night. Madison's still in the second round. She plays tomorrow. Um, interesting first-round match, and we've, we've referred to him uh, before, just not having a great spring. It's clear he's not healthy. You had Fabio Fanini. That's not who I'm referring to. Who I'm referring to is Felix Agir Aliasim. Um, Fanini, by the way, also went, so he beat FAA and then Fanini won his second round match as well. So he's on a roll, yeah. but Felix, yeah. Felix is just not, he, he just can't get healthy right now, Steve. Can't get healthy. And he has no confidence in turn where they go hand in hand, they're intertwined. So I get it. Uh, I just hope maybe it's asking too much for him to be back at the top of his game by Wimbledon. That may be too soon, but I'm hoping that across the summer, on the hard courts that he can start getting some good results at a Cincinnati or Canada, either one and come into the U S open where he's a former semifinalist and really show us his best stuff again, because he's, he's again, one of the, he's one of the most charismatic and appealing players in tennis. He carries himself so well on the court and he has the whole package. It's all there. So I hope that, uh, that's what I expect to happen, right? This has been a very difficult first, first half of, of 2023. Not what any of us expected, given how well Felix played at the end of last year. I think once he gets healthy, he'll, he'll, he'll be back, you know, to, to his normal stuff. He's too good not to. Um, such a great athlete. Like you said, carries himself so well and, and, and everybody loves him. So let's get him healthy. Let's get him back to playing top of the game. Another first round match that, I was really intrigued to watch. It didn't disappoint, and as far as my uh, view goes, Victoria Azarenka versus Bianca Andreescu. I like both players a lot. I I loved the matchup; that it was intriguing. I didn't love that they had to play each other in the first round. Uh, 
Azarenka was up in that match, 6-2-3-1, and loses. She also 15-40 when she was up 3-1. She was up 40-15, actually. Andrescu comes back and wins that match. Uh, God, Dicey at that 5-4 in the last game there, but Bianca did hold on to to win 6-4 in the third. Yeah, but that that's what that's what you had to admire in Azarenka. It was 40 love, and the next thing you know, she's got it back to do. She's yeah. just she's completely professional in my view, the way she competes. But I thought, you know, she's to me, it was actually more important that Andres for Andrescu to win that match. The loss would have been more devastating for her than for Vika for many reasons, because she's really trying to recapture her the form that we saw from her back in 19. So I'm 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 I think I think that was a fitting result. I'm not worried about Azarenka recouping from the defeat and starting to play top of the line tennis again. But this was a moment that had to be seized. It was, she had to meet that moment, uh, Andrescu, and she did with flying colors. Well said. I just wish it was a round of 16 match and not a yeah. first round yeah. match, which is unfortunate. But um, Jesse Pagula looks like her side of the draw. It's it's getting real nice for her because Belinda Bencic lost. Maria Sakari lost. Gosh, just two years ago, Sakari had match points to get to the final. She's just falling off, unfortunately. Um, Jesse Pagula has a has a chance here, Steve, to go very, very far. Yeah, and I think she's been in the quarters of four of the last five majors she played. Uh, well, we know. Listen, she's the consummate professional in women's tennis, and uh, I she needs she now needs to take advantage of that draw. She's never one that takes any match for granted. Uh, and, and I don't think she will. And, and this is a big opportunity for her. And, and she's talked about how she feels like on the clay right now, she's playing better than she was a year ago. I, I, I find her outlook to be very encouraging because she's one of these people when she does an interview, she tells you exactly what, what she thinks. Yes. She, she doesn't, there, there's no hiding anything. And so the, to hear her sound so optimistic tells me that she thinks she can go far in this tournament. A hundred percent. Hey, we haven't talked about the biggest upset yet. We got to talk about it now. The two seed, the winner of the Masters 1000 in Rome right before this event, Daniil Medvedev losing in five sets. Opponent, Thiago had 47 forehand winners. Daniil only had 15. What happened to Mr. Medvedev? He came up against a very explosive shot maker in the, in the qualifier from Brazil and whose last name is spelled W-I-L-D, but we don't pronounce it as wild. But just so everybody knows who we're referring to, because I don't want to do an attempt to pronounce his whole name. But he, he was so bold. And Medvedev was quite analytical afterwards about how in the windy conditions and with the heavy balls, especially with the heavier balls, that you need to have a certain amount of wrist action. You've got to be be able to hit the ball big and with a lot of spin. And he says, he that's not him. He right. admits it. That's not him. He's sort of a flat ball hitter, and he's better in calmer conditions with, uh, with lighter balls. And uh, so maybe all that worked a little against him. On the other hand, the Brazilian won the first set, had two set points in the second set. It was on, it was on his racket to go up two sets to love. He missed a couple of forehands, which is his best shot. And one of them was, especially the first set point, was a pretty easy forehand off a return from Medvedev that was barely past the service line. And the next thing you know, Medvedev has stolen the set, and it's one set all. And then he went, Medvedev wins the third 6-2, and I thought at that stage that was one of those classic cases of somebody having an opening 
and not and not being able to take advantage of it and not being able to get it out of his head. But the next thing you know, the Brazilian comes back and wins the last two, three and four. He broke Medvedev three times in the fifth set. Daniel kept breaking back twice. He did break back, but finally uh, the Brazilian got it done. And with a couple of forehand winners at the end was very he was going for the lines, David. It was pretty phenomenal display. I mean, really daring shot making. And you mentioned the 47 winners. It's amazing that he didn't make, make 47 more unforced errors, right. given given the risk that he was taking. So I think and Medvedev was very funny about it. He basically said, look, you know, he played great. and But his attitude was if he doesn't play like that in his next match, that he was Medvedev was speaking of himself, was saying, I'm going to say, why did it have to happen to me? Meaning right. <laughs> I had a hot day. And I, I'm afraid that's how it's going to play out. I could be wrong. Well, that's why. No, no, I think it, I think it very well could, because that's why this guy's not top 20, 25. Right, right. But on the, well, no, what I mean is it would be nice to see him make the most of it and go on a run, but I don't expect it. I don't expect it. And, of course, and it, was, right. it was, but, but Medvedev is right in that he didn't stop fighting. It's not, he, he did seem to have control of the match when he went up two sets to one, but he never stopped fighting. His attitude was good. He wasn't, he was a little bit beleaguered at moments, talking to his corner, a little frustrated here and there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the most emotionally destructive Daniel that we've seen from time to time. But in the end, he just got beaten by a, a better player and a bolder shot maker on the day. And it, it was actually exhilarating to watch. And, you know, and Chris Clary stated this on, on Twitter and we, we all know this, but for the, or the, maybe the recreational tennis fans, it just shows again that the depth in, in men's tennis. And, you know, in Rome, right, we had a guy ranked 135 in the world beat Carlos Alcaraz. Now, again, Carlos was probably tired. He played a ton of tennis. Right. I'm just saying rankings, 135 over two. And then the match we were just talking about, 172 over number two. Um, the level in the men's game and in the women's game, they're so good. I mean, we hear about the superstars, but the people ranked 100, 150, they're plenty good, believe me. <laughs> no, they are. And on a given day, David, you take somebody like the Brazilian. I mean, suppose Medvedev had played a guy ranked, oh, say, missed the seating cut. He's ranked 47 in the world. And maybe Daniel beats him three, four and three because the guy doesn't play a great match because Medvedev is more familiar with him, any number of reasons, but it, right. sometimes it's dangerous as it was for Carlos, as you mentioned uh, in, in the last tournament. So yeah, it, it is great depth and nobody can afford to take any match for granted. That's, that's the, that's the proof there. And yeah, what makes it so interesting is if, if Medvedev escapes, if he'd managed to get through it in five, who's to say he wouldn't have, put it behind him in a hurry and played his, and used the confidence he had from Rome to go deep into this tournament. But as we've gone. seen so many times in tournaments, if you can get through that one hiccup, yeah. that one tough, that may be the toughest match you have throughout the entire tournament. So yeah, very well uh, said. he had a bad serving day. He had 14 or 15 double faults. It was, it was, the conditions weren't easy for him. And, and on the other hand, I, I, as I say, I felt like he, he gave it his all and he, and he was not, I didn't feel like he really beat himself that much. And he, he just couldn't handle the conditions as well as his opponent. So you got to tip your hat. Uh, no, no, the you guy to win. Hey, you know, we got, we we're both big proponents of college tennis. I mean, this is, this is pretty good stuff here, Steve. I'm going to name a few on the, on the women's side. Um, Schneider from NC state. She took the team to the runner up finals. They lost to North Carolina. 
Emma Navarro from Virginia. Peyton Searns just won it from Texas last year. She beat Ostapenko today. Peyton's, Peyton's now in the third round. You have 12 players, men and women's side, that have played college tennis that were in the single second round. And again, some can even go further. Peyton, like I just said, is already in the third round. Um, this We've said it before, and we're saying it again, Steve. College tennis is a viable pathway to go to the pros now. Yeah, it is. It is. And this this is going to be like an advertisement for that now. Right. With that players in the second round. And what I find interesting is I, I think of couples. I know they play on different surfaces and they have national championships. They have different events, different. But I think of it as predominantly a hardcore yes. game. And here are all these players doing well at Roland Garros on the clay, which shows how versatile they are. And that's that's makes it all the more encouraging. So let, let, I, I my, my hope is that a bunch of them, you know, let's let's see them go to the round of 16. Let's see something more than the second round. But what a what a start. And what a what a bonus, like you said, like it's an advertisement for college tennis. These college coaches love it because they're saying, look, come here, do what you need to do. Move on to the pro tour and you can have success. You yeah. just don't show them one or two examples anymore. You got a bunch of examples that you yeah. can show. Yeah. No, it's All terrific. Right. So hey, we're we're in the we're we're halfway through uh, round two, right? We got halfway in the, uh, the third round set up. The other half waiting to play tomorrow. Third round match, Steve. We got two guys that are just shot makers. Fans are gonna love it. I I. I think we all know who's going to win and i think it's going to be pretty straightforward i want to hear your thoughts thoughts carlos alcaraz versus dennis shapovala if this match was being played on the center court of wimbledon david and where shapovala a couple of years ago was in the semis losing to novak i i i would give him a shot i'd give him a chance with that left-handed serve and the explosive shot making capabilities i don't think clay is his best surface doesn't mean he can't make it interesting, absorbing. Maybe he steals a set. Carlos lost a set today to, to, to Tara Daniel, but then pulled away easily in the third and fourth sets. So I can see Dennis making competitive and interesting. I just don't see, as you said right off the bat, I, it's inconceivable to me that he can win three sets. Yeah. But I, 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 because I just think Dennis is better on hard and grass and indoors than he is on clay. But he also is, a, is the kind of player that gets inspired by playing a big-name opponent, and it should bring out his best tennis, enough so to make it a really compelling match. Right, and if he gets hot, if he gets on a hot streak during that match, watch out because things oh, can, yeah. and that's things why can I, ebb and flow. It doesn't shock me a bit if he wins a set, and I guess I suppose in the best-case scenario, somehow takes it to a fifth. I just don't see how he wins that third set, that in the end, Carlos will be too tough mentally, and he'll withstand any of the brilliant blitzes that are being thrown at him from but it'll be fun to watch no doubt another intriguing matchup and he's been my kind of dark horse again i've said it on a couple episodes now not to win it but to hopefully make a deep run third round match musetti plays cam nori cam nori always a tricky guy to play musetti's been playing really well as of late but cam is never an easy out on any surface no, that's probably going to be very hard fought. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Musetti and Cam went went the distance. Uh, I I believe either one, obviously. I mean, Carlos played Nori a couple of times in finals on the clay when he started back this year after missing the Australian. 
He went to the clay. The winner for, of the Musetti Nori match will play the winner of right. Carlos. And yeah. Carlos. So assuming that Carlos beats Dennis, as we both think he will, I'm saying that looking ahead to that fourth round clash, I mean, either one poses a threat. Nori, we know because he split a couple of matches with, with Carlos earlier in the year and they were good, hard fought finals. And, and uh, Musetti has, has beaten Carlos too. And, I feel like either one is, is, is a threat. Somehow I feel like you said he might scare him even a little bit more. On the clay. On the clay, for sure. I think Alcaraz would beat Nori easier on clay. Um, not that Alcaraz can't beat Musetti on clay. In straight sets, he can. But I think Musetti can, can do a little bit more damage on a clay court to Alcaraz if he's playing well than Cam Nori can. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've seen Nori play him tough, so I don't underestimate him either on, on the play. I just feel like Musetti is one of those guys that's such an emotional player, and I, 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 and he can get the crowd behind him too. That's what would be so interesting if they were to meet in the fourth round. Carlos is immensely popular wherever he goes, and he's beguiling, and the crowds love him, and he's emotive, and he's never going to have crowds antagonistic toward him. But Musetti is one of these guys that can bring them around him and is not afraid to, with the, the gestures and the sort of imploring the crowd to get behind him. So I think atmospherically it would be a it would be a riveting clash. Yeah, that little section, the Alcaraz versus Shapovalov and the Musetti versus, versus Cam Nori, and then the winners clash. Um, that's a fun little section there. The next couple of days it'll be fun to watch. Person we haven't talked about yet. He had a scare in the first set today, but then again, it gets into a tiebreaker and he's just locked down City. Is Novak Djokovic still in a collision course to play Carlos Alcaraz, not in the final, but in the semifinal? Give me your thoughts on Novak so far. You know, he played the Hungarian Fusovic, and and, and that's the match you're referring to today. And it was an 87-minute first set, hour and 27 minutes. Djokovic had a three-love lead early and had a break point for four-love that would have made life a lot easier. And then, uh, then, then uh, Fusevich really started playing great tennis in the windy conditions. And it's been back up five-three in the first two. Yeah, he's uh, yes, he was. But what I'm saying is, he had a chance for the second break at three-love yeah. and didn't get it. And the next thing you know, he still gets to five-two, but he was down fifteen forty. He was down successive service games down fifteen forty, love forty, held them both to get to five-two. It was a little tenuous and then he didn't serve it out and it went to five all and eventually they go to the breaker Novak won he gave one of his typically professional performances in the breaker which he won oh, seven point two, despite one exchange that went 33 strokes right. uh he Fusevich, lost that one he lost that point I that's think. what I mean that was one of the two points that he lost and it was on a win, you know on a winner from from uh, Fusevich and then the other point he lost was a backhand down though back in down the line winner from Kusevich. So two winners for his opponent, Djokovic wins all seven other points, doesn't make an unforced He's error. so good in tiebreakers. He, he did the same, down City in tiebreakers. And, and he did the same thing in the first round too, where he won seven points to one in the third set of his clash there to get, to get into the second round. And yeah, but what I like about it is that he's still pretty aggressive. He started this tiebreaker off today with a back end on the line winner that landed smack on the baseline. And so he, he doesn't, he's not afraid to go for it. He just won't do anything foolish. He won't make mistakes. They're going to beat himself. And then even though Fusevich has is there's a big, everybody talks on the tour and he talks a lot about him, his conditioning himself and he's extremely fit, yes. but even he just looked 
physically and psychologically destroyed in the second set. And Djokovic blitzed through that six love and eventually won the third set six three. But I think it's going to a tie break in the third set of his first round match and going to a tie break again in the first first set today. Those kind of tests have been, been helpful to him. He hasn't lost his set into the third round. And now he'll play Davidovich Fokina, who, of course, beat him in Monte Carlo last year on a pretty bad day for Novak and terrific stuff from the Spaniard. And this time around, I, 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 I think Djokovic, I, he's possibly could lose a set. I don't see it going beyond that, though. I think he's in good form. And we talked about what you just said, the good form on a previous episode about yeah, the preparation hasn't been the greatest no, for Novak, no. but we said he can play himself in. He's won these first two rounds. If he beats another good player like this, three or four sets, all that prep goes out the window, Steve. He's now playing his way into the tournament, and he's ready to roll. Yeah, and I, I think so. I think so. And the main thing is that my biggest concern was the physical side because he wasn't physically right in those tournaments, and he didn't – He didn't. Uh, dwell on that too much he didn't talk about it too much but we saw that elbow sleeve coming on and off there were things that were obvious he took a painkiller doing his loss to uh Olga Runa in, in Rome there were clearly things not right physically but then he did say prior to his first round here physically I'm feeling fine and then it's it's showing it's showing in these matches so yes he can definitely play and I, I like the idea of these sort of things stepping up Davidovich Fokina next in the third round. Then he might play Perkash possibly in the 16s. Then he might play Hatchinov or Rublev in the quarters. These are all matches he should win, but players that can push him a little bit more each time so that by the time he got to Carlos in the penultimate round, he should be playing his best tennis and, and ready, ready for that occasion, win or lose, you know, to give himself a chance to, to, to beat the Spaniards. And that's what we were hoping when we when we were talking about this on last episode. Okay. Um, still again, we're we're not we're not even close to halfway done with the tournament. So still a ton of tennis left to be played. Um, we'll do this again. We're not sure exactly which day. We want to try to fit it in on a good time where certain matches have been played. So Steve and I are going to continue to be flexible um when we record. But again, we definitely will do another one before uh this tournament ends. We'll do it some point early next week. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? No, I think, you know, I think we sort of hit the key notes here and I, 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 I'm really happy, David. Yes. There's been too much wind. I feel sorry for the players and having to deal with it. Like there was average 12 mile an hour winds during the Djokovic match. And they said gusts up to 21 and you could see it. You could see the clay blowing in their faces. The, uh, Djokovic getting into his eyes when he wears contacts, putting drops in his eyes, Vucevic, putting his shirt up to his eyes to try to keep the clay out. So you really sympathize with the players having to deal with that. But at least we haven't had, as is the case in prior Roland Garros editions, uh, rain. So that it's so crucial to get through these first two rounds without it, to keep on schedule so that the players get the days off that they deserve. So I think they'd rather have to confront the wind than to deal with sitting around uh, waiting for the rain to stop. So I, I'm, I'm happy that things are on course that way. So far, so good. And, and I'll leave you with this. I know we talked about Pagula, and we hope she makes a very deep run um, in this slam. But anything that can uh, stop the trio that we always talk of on the, on the women's side, Sviatek, Rabakina, and Sabalenka, anything and it looks that they won't be there at the very end? Well, listen, I'd love for Jess 
Pagula to prove us wrong, but I, it, looking at it strictly analytically, no, I don't see anything changing that pattern. Sabalenka has not been at her very best so far, but I think she's going to get better and we'll see what goes on with Iga. But again, I expect her to build toward peak form. And no, I think it's still going to ultimately come down to that trio. Well, stay tuned, tennis fans. We're only on the first Wednesday night. We got a week and a half left. So much tennis in store. So much great tennis we're going to see. Steve, you and I will be back at it next week. Can't wait to do it. And we'll see where we're getting into the latter stages of the tournament. And we'll do this all again. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Enjoyed it.